Good morning. You know, I have no desire to go to baby showers or any of that stuff. I, but when I walked over the Sunday school room and smelled that roast, I'm ready to go. I smelled good over there. So I don't know. The ladies have one up on us men today. But, uh, but we'll have to figure out something on the way home to grab something to eat. Fast food, because... And now we don't want to go home and cook, you know. <laughs> um, you know, when Dave asked me to speak and uh, he, he gave me both morning and night, I started thinking about, you know, I'm praying about what to speak on. And um, a lot of subjects came through my mind. And uh, one of the subjects I wanted to take up was head coverings. Because it's been a while since I've heard anyone speak on them, but it's an important subject to look at. The Lord told me, no, not today. So another... Uh, Sunday, we'll look at that perhaps. Then I start thinking on Hosea. I go, oh, let me look at Hosea. What a tremendous uh, uh, lesson we can learn in there. The Lord told me no. And now it's crunch time. I'm getting down to this last week. Then out of the blue, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 came to my mind. I went... No, Lord, I don't want to speak on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know, I got two, I got morning and night. And Okay, Lord, I'll use it as a springboard to go into something else. You know, maybe use that and then go into the life of Joseph or, or, or something else. Again, the Lord sat me down this last week and said, no, read the whole chapter. So I read the whole chapter. And I'm thinking, well, okay, Lord, there might be someone here that... Uh, needs to hear this, that you want to speak to their hearts and to their minds. And the Lord said, no, I mean, that's probably true. You need to hear it. So today, this morning, and this evening, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3. And one of my first cries out to the Lord is this, this chapter is predominantly on wisdom. And Lord, I don't have the wisdom to speak on this stuff. So the Lord gives wisdom. And he will give you the wisdom to understand as we meditate and we look at this chapter. What a tremendous chapter it is as I begin to read it and to meditate on it and the depths that are in here. That every verse you read as you go, you go, wow, that's good advice. That's really good. Why not think of that? Because usually I find myself, and throughout the book of Proverbs, you find different... Uh, um, classifications, are you say, are words being used such as the wise or the fool? And nine times out of ten, I identify with the fool. Because a lot of times in my life, you make bad decisions or something goes on, and you can say to you, I say to myself, there I am, the, the fool of the Bible. The tragic story of, of really of Proverbs, in, in all that Solomon wrote, and he wrote this in his early days, and the Lord gave him wisdom, as he, he fell from what he had stated here. He didn't finish the race. He didn't keep on going. He didn't keep the word of God before his heart and mind. And really, as I started to read this, I started thinking, you know, a lot of times we make Christianity so difficult. We get into all these church doctrines, and we get into... Uh, Start looking at all the denominations and, and, and Catholicism and all this stuff. 
What spoke to me of chapter 3 here is a simple phrase, trust and obey. Trust and obey. You read the word of God, you believe it, you trust it, and you live it. It's a very simple concept. I mean, Christianity really isn't that hard. It's we follow the Savior. But Satan has his way of getting into our lives and muddying the water and confusing us and, and making this difficult and bringing strife amongst the brethren and, and everything else. But really, when you come down to it, the simplicity and the beauty of the Scriptures is that we read it, soak it up, believe it, and obey it, and go on and look to the Lord with our daily lives. Let's go ahead and read the whole chapter so we can get it in its full context. And then we'll start breaking it down. Chapter 3 of Proverbs, verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the fruit, first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son... Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, Riches and honor. Her ways, are, <clears throat> her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were, were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. My son... Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. The Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause, if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the house of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy 
of fools. That's tremendous. Did you notice as we read through here um, all the correlation that you could actually take from Proverbs chapter 3 and bring it into the New Testament? How Paul's expounded on it as the writers of the New Testament have expounded on it? There are several ways in which to study Proverbs. One is as you study it within its context and Solomon writing it and within its time frame. The second is applying it to us and taking it over and the application to the New Testament church age and understanding that, that perhaps when you, when you go into uh, uh, verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty and the vats will overflow with new wine. In the Old Testament, it was material blessings that came forth. But in the New Testament, it's spiritual blessings. It's a little bit different. The next that would be tremendous for us to sit down and study is how the wisdom and everything that, writes, that is written here applies to Lord Jesus Christ. We can apply to each one, for he was wisdom come from God. In each one of these verses, we can go and look at and, and for the most part apply to him. We could take word studies throughout the book of Proverbs. We can take just one word, such as trust, such as understanding, such as wisdom, and just develop that throughout the whole book of Proverbs to get a, a full context and understanding about it. But what I want to look at this morning is the application of it to us today, and to try to draw out some meaning that we can apply towards our lives, that we could take home, that we could have our lives uh, changed and our confidence in the Lord restored. The outline I've given for Proverbs 3 as I read through it is verses 1 through 12, I would say, is the pathway for gaining wisdom. The pathway for gaining wisdom. And what it's going to lay out there for us is the trust in the Lord to put the, the word of God before your heart and, and to live by it and be obedient and so forth and acknowledge God in all of our ways. And to really look to the Lord. This is the pathway to wisdom because wisdom comes from God. Next, 13 through 18 would be the value of wisdom. The value of wisdom. And what he actually describes here is, is, is wisdom is more precious than rubies, than gold, than silver, than everything. Anything you can think of a value, the wisdom of God that he gives to us, and this is not just wisdom of the world, but this is the understanding of who God is, of his ways, and the wisdom he gives us. And the ultimate wisdom in which we can see is when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the wise. The fool is the one that rejects God, rejects his way. But the wise accept Jesus as the Messiah, accept Jesus as his Savior, as their Savior, and believes in him and trust their lives to God. Verses 19 through 26 would be the benefits of wisdom. The benefits of wisdom. As we'll look through here and see, as uh, verse 23 says, then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. You can lie down and sleep. You have peace. You have comfort. The first time, when you trust the Lord and he gives you the wisdom that's from on high, you have peace. 
You can actually sleep at night. There's no tossing and turning, worrying about your kids, worrying about these affairs of life, worrying about everything that's going on, but you have peace because the Lord is in control. Lastly, 27 to 35, I, I, I've outlined it as the application of wisdom, the application of where we apply it and, um, and we go forth and, and live for him. In the very last verse, 35, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. This is a tremendous chapter. And before we get to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, just to give you a little background of it, is I can probably have everyone raise your hand. You've learned this verse, these verses from a young age. I remember as coming back to the Lord, I remember one of the very first verses I highlighted in my Bible was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and that I memorized. If you actually go to In-N-Out and you get one of their cups, they, they put on the bottom of the cups, they'll put verses on there. And the one we had yesterday, in and out yesterday, was John 3.16. But I've seen on there Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And its simplicity is beautiful. And we're, before we get to that, we're going to start off with the first four, four verses to get the context, to get into it. Then we're going to look at those verses. And then, uh, as time permits, we'll get into the rest of the chapter. Very first verse, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For the length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. You know, it's interesting how in, throughout Proverbs is the health of the well-being of the person is, is a lot of times linked together with their spiritual walk with the Lord. More stress you take upon yourself with all the, all the affairs of this life and worrying and, and, and carrying on with everything, it ages you. The more you, you, you dive into the world and the affairs of it, it ages you. It stresses your body. Bill McDonald actually said uh, in his commentary that over 60% of our illnesses are, probably, are linked to emotional stress. Stress does a great harm to our bodies. But we don't have to stress if we know the Lord. Well, look at the very first thing to keep us. And when it comes to the law and it comes to the word of God, God's not a killjoy. He's not sitting here trying to put rules and regulations and say, you know what, the unbelievers are going to go out there and have a good time and they're going to have fun and party. But I want to keep you guys over here. I want to see how miserable I can make you and put these uh, rules on you. That's not the purpose of the law at all. That's not the purpose of the word of God. That's never what he intended. You see, God knows who we are. He knows what we need. He knows every aspect of our life. He's the creator of us. He's the designer of us. He knows the intentions of why he put us on this earth. And he wants us to have full joy, full happiness, full contentment. And the Christian's life is one that should be that. Out of our hearts, as, as Justin uh, read last uh, week, of living water bubbling up out of our hearts should be joy in the Spirit of God. People should see a difference in us. That when the waves of life, when the circumstances of life come along, we're not tossed to and fro. We're not scrambling going, what am I going to do now? 
We trust the Lord and we trust in his ways. The very first thing that we have to do, every Christian has to do, is do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. This is essential. Now, within the context and what he's talking about here, and Solomon would be taking it back to the, the Torah, the law, in which you put the law of God before you. But we're going to expand it. And the application of this is put the word of God before your life. You've got to take in the word of God. You're not going to know the wisdom of God. You're not going to know the ways of God unless you study the word of God. It's just as simple as that. There, there's not some, some uh, magical way where the, the words of this book automatically just enter into our minds. It's a very simple way in which it enters in. And that's through my eyes, reading line by line, word by word. Absorbing it. Taking it in. And look at what he says here. It's very simple. Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. You see, what ends up happening is when we get away from the word of God, we, we begin to forget about the word of God. We get caught up in the affairs of life. When we get caught up in everything that this world has to offer, what do we begin to forget and put aside? What the word of God says. And I'll guarantee you this, and I guarantee you because the word of God says it, you stray from the word of God and you'll end up with troubles. You will end up unhappy. You will end up discontent. For the length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. That's just what the scripture says. You will have peace. You will have peace. Let's look at what the word of God says about the word of God. Look at, uh, I'm going to turn over and read to you real quick. Psalms chapter 119. Psalms chapter 119, as the importance and the stress here is that the word of God is constantly to be before our eyes and before us. Psalms 119, verse 11, and many of you guys know this, this verse. This is nothing uh, new to you. Let's go back to verse for uh, text's sake. Verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commands. Look at this, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. What an amazing thing. And you go down to verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statues, and I will not forget your word. Onward it goes and talks to us about the word of God and how important it is to take the word of God and put it into our hearts. And see, it says, but let your heart keep my commandments. You see, the heart is a vital uh, organ within our bodies. Without the heart, we cease to live. It pumps the blood through our, our bodies by, by taking the blood and adding oxygen to it and then pumping it through the arteries. And it, it, it's the life source of us. But what it's talking about here, and when it gets into the scripture of the heart, this is the place of where our will is. Where our, our reasoning and our thought processes take place and our choices and our decisions that are made. And the reason why it's so important here to take the word of God and put it in our heart 
and keep its commands because this is the safekeeping. That when you go along in life and you have decisions to make and the word of God comes up, it's there in your heart, you know to say no to this and yes to this. The word of God guides us and it leads us. His ways are not our ways, but they should be. He's so much greater and so much smarter than uh, who we are. Another thing the word of God does is, is in John chapter 14, it says, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my word. See, keeping the word of God in your heart and being obedient is not only a, a way of, of keeping ourselves from danger, keeping ourselves from going astray, but it's an act of showing that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. This is tremendous. So you say someone, let's turn over to John chapter 14 real quick. I want you to see it with your own eyes because this is huge because there's lots of people that say, I love Jesus. I love the Lord. I love God. But the Lord has put something here that is amazing. We demonstrate our love by keeping the word of God. So you have someone that says, I love the Lord, and they don't keep his commandments. They don't walk in his ways. They take the scriptures and throw them out. They, they, they walk after man's own wisdom. Look at verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. Drop down to verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them. Look at the, the key point here. He who has my commandments. We have to go to the scriptures. We have to read it. We have to get the commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the, my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Flip over to verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and he will come to him. And make our home with him. He who does not love me, read what it says, does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. This word in which we are to keep can be applied not only to the words that were uttered as Jesus walked on this earth, but to the whole of scriptures. God loves his word. He absolutely adores his word. God stands by his word. He's faithful to his word. And we can come to God and we can bank on his word. We can trust in it. He will not fail us. So one of the acts of the Christians is when you see the word of God and we obey, we're obedient to it, we're showing God that we really love him. We really love him. These are simple facts, but oftentimes they get so foreign to us. So we want to show God that we love him. Let's keep his commandments. Look at verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. What a tremendous thing. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Mercy. How we need to show mercy to one another. How we need to show compassion and love to one another. Truth, the word of God, the truth of who God is, the truth of his ways, his commandments are to be before us day and night. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. He is the truth. And you see, not only do we have to 
believe in this and apply it towards our life, put it in our heart, and when we put it in our heart, the outflowing comes out because what we are on the heart, on the inside, is going to come out on the outside. A lot of people do it. We, we, we change externally. We, we comply to the commandments and the laws and everything around us, but within our hearts, we don't really believe it. We don't really live it. We don't really understand it. But what the scriptures are, and the new covenant, the difference between the old and the new, is God's taking his heart, his, his word, and writing it on our hearts. He's taking it from the inside and shining it outward. Well, look at what it says. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Again, oh wait, go back. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Now when I first read that, this is me going through Proverbs, I'm thinking of the neck of like, well, this is the vital points around your neck. You know, I'm thinking if someone chokes you out, then you got to protect yourself. Uh, I was completely wrong. What it does is, is when, in, think of it in comparison, is women wear jewelry. They put it around their neck for what purpose? To show it. When an Olympian goes forth and is... Uh, wins the gold medal, the silver medal, the bronze medal, they stand up on a podium, and what do they do? They put a medal around their necks. And it displays, and it shows everyone who was number one, who was number two, and who was number three. Look at this. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, but bind them around your neck. In the sense that it's so flowing out of your life that everybody can see it. That they look at you, and just like they looked at Lord Jesus, they see one that walks with compassion, that is full of grace and truth. That the outflowing of the Christian life is, is one that they can see the love of God within. And we bind it around our necks so that everyone can see it. It says, write them on the tablet of your heart. Here we have this tablet again within our heart, within our, our decision-making factors, within our will that we write down because these are characteristics that we want to be part of our life and to flow out. Maybe we can think of it in this simple way. As the blood flows into the heart and the arteries and it flows out, it oxygenates the blood. And this is what you need for your muscles and everything else as it flows through. Um, one of the main arteries to your leg, many soldiers have been shot there or something gets cut and they, they bleed out and they, they die. But think of it as this. The blood flows back to the vein, into your heart, and within the heart, it then is oxygenated, or the word of God is put within it, and then it flows through throughout your whole body, and, and your muscles can then respond and so forth, and it, it feeds your body. Think of that as maybe a visual picture of putting the word of God within our heart and living it out. That it's no longer something that I'm saying, I want to do this, I should be doing this, I should be doing this but it comes out of the natural person of who you are. For God's given us a new nature in which to respond and to love righteousness and to love his ways and to follow after it. Look at verse 4. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I said, you can apply this to the Lord Jesus Christ. How beautiful that is. The ultimate goal is to glorify God and to live for him. And this Proverbs, this writing by Solomon is so simple. But yet look at in the sight of God as he looks down. 
He loves it. He loves it. He loves obedience. He loves people that, that take his word and write it on their hearts and, and live it out. God loves it. It glorifies him. It pleases him. You know, ultimately what it is is that we're being conformed to the image of Christ. And see, this is how we can, we can build it on into the New Testament is this is such a simple foundation back in Proverbs. And now we look and you see we're being conformed to the image of Christ and what God's ultimately looking at as it flows through the heart out into our lives is he sees his son. And when people see you, the greatest compliment is that you've been with Jesus. You act like Jesus. You're a Christian. That's our compliments. That, that's what God wants. And he wants us to show it to everyone that we are Christians. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We love the Lord. Yes, whatever he says in his word, we do it. No matter what the popularity is, whatever the consequences might be. Syria, they're really living this out. The persecution there on Christians are tremendous. People that have their businesses and so forth that are, are people or the, the ISIS and so forth are coming in and, and killing people and running them off. Do you denounce your faith and take up Islam? Or do you stand up and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of the true God? No matter what the consequences is. That's what pleases God. And not only do we find favor in God's sight, but with man. They see it. And people get led to the Lord. They see the difference in you. They see the difference that, um, that your life has. Because I tell you what, people are hurting in this world. Lots of people are hurting. Lots of people, they all need the Lord. We have right now an election going on and everybody's throwing out their, their ideas of, of how they're going to make America great and everything else. The truth is, is they need the Lord. They need the Lord. And that's what brings peace. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. This should be our life verse. If you were to put any verse before your eyes and constantly look at it every day, this is a tremendous two verses that you could add to them. Very simplistic. Very easy to understand. You don't need to be a great theologian. You don't need to know the whole of scriptures and everything else. You just take them at simple value. And that's what I remember as a kid reading it. And I didn't know the whole context of the chapter. I didn't even know who Solomon was. But I remember reading this verse. And what stood out to me is the Lord cares about us. He cares about us. And not only that he cares about us, but that he wants to be intricately involved in our lives and every decision we are making and to lead and guide us. The Lord loves us so much. It's just... A tremendous verse. But look at the starting point. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, as you take the word of God into your heart and that decision-making factor, you have to trust it. Now, trust is a word that is equivalent to the New Testament of belief or faith. And what you're trusting is, is you're trusting in the Lord and what he says in his word and what he'll do. That you tremendously believe he is able to carry out whatever he says. 
Now, a lot of times we come and we trust the Lord for salvation. We trust the Lord for our afterlife, that we are saved from eternal damnation. We trust the Lord that he died on the cross for our sins and that his word says that if I come and believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for me, confess that I'm a sinner and accept that, that forgiveness that's there through the shed blood on the cross, that I'll be saved. Each one of us here that's a Christian had that moment in time where you trusted the Lord. You said, yeah, I believe it. I'm no longer trusting in my good works to get me to heaven. I'm no longer trusting in some system. I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you need to do so today. You're not saved. You don't know the Lord and you're not going to heaven. But this application here goes farther than just salvation. That's the starting point. Trust in the Lord with all your heart is to take in the word of God and to live it day in and day out. The New Testament says, described like this, the just shall live by faith. But to take in the word of God, apply it towards your life, make the decision to follow Christ, and go after him. Live his word out. Ask him for his help. Trust him with your life. You know, a lot of times we, we categorize our lives. We'll, we'll, we'll turn around and say, we got church life. And yeah, I trust God. Leave me in using my spiritual gifts here. And he might take your home. You know what? I'll open up that home for the Lord. You know, maybe one or two days a week or this or that. And you take your finances. Oh, that hurts us there. And he's going to touch on it here, but finances. Thing on the internet I really wanted. Look at that nice cars out there. You know, Lord, I'll, I'll give you my time, I'll give you this, but don't touch my finances. But really what it comes down to is trust the Lord with all of it. All of our life, with our finances, with our choices, with every affair that comes upon us and um, a thing that comes upon us in life, we trust Him. We don't understand. Because look at what it says. And lean not on your own understanding. You see, God's ways are his ways. They're not our ways. And he knows so much greater than we do. He knows so much more. We should be taking every decision that we have, big and small, and laying it before the Lord. He wants that. He wants us to come and to trust and to lay him everything we have before him. Look at what happens when we do. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Look at that word, all, A-L-L, three letters. That is tremendous. It doesn't say in some of your ways, acknowledge him, but in all your ways. Everything that we have in life, we acknowledge God and put him first. And he shall direct your paths. Look at what it, it actually means. It makes your path smooth or straight. When we come to him and we trust in the Lord and we take the word of God in, we take human wisdom we shove it aside and we say, Lord, I need the wisdom from God. I need your wisdom and understanding. I need your guidance, your light unto my path. You know what we see in the church today, and this is, this is a shame to see, but what I believe we see is man's wisdom. Man's wisdom in the church. Look at verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Man's wisdom. I think I know better. I had someone tell me one time, it was a relative, and he began to tell me how he thinks that he thinks that the one-man pastor in the hired help is actually a better system than you see in the New Testament and in the assemblies and where everybody gets involved because you really get 
a better product, when you pay someone to go and do it, and so forth and so on. He's what the Bible would call a fool. It's what it is. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'm not making this up. That's what the scriptures say. But man's wisdom coming to the church and saying, you know what? I think it'll be better this way when God's word's declared it this way. God's word hasn't declared it to go the clergy laity system. It's actually something he hates. But God's word is clear, and this is what we write on our hearts, and we say, no, the scriptures have laid out plurality of elders that, that, that govern uh, the body of Christ, and, and the, the, the gifts the believers are given through the Holy Spirit, and to exercise it, and it's for the profit of all, and we're to encourage one another and go on. This is the wisdom that's come from God. God knows what we need. God knows how the church is supposed to be function, how to function. He knows its best way. He knows it's a living organism. And when man comes in with his bright ideas to try to, to uh, spruce up the church and to get attendance, he'll get attendance a lot of times. But the attendance has come based upon the flesh, upon the entertainment, upon this or that. But there's no solid core that grabs the, the, the actual believer and changes his life from the inside out. Our, our assembly is tremendous. At any given time, we have a number, and Dave can attest to this, a number of men that can take this platform and teach the Word of God. This is the whole purpose. We have a number of women that can instruct the younger women and each other and give guidance and leadance in everything. There's so much here to offer. And every single believer here is in this assembly and in this body to edify and build up one another. This is God's way. This is his wisdom. This is his design. He's the designer of the, the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's my church, he says. The sad part is in, in the, the church of Laodicea, you see him on the outside. They've kicked him out of the church. Man's wisdom has replaced the Savior. And that's the sad part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Real quick, there's about five I came up with of circumstances of life. That I, I believe apply to what he's talking about here. To not only to in our everyday affair that we go through, but you know, a lot of times we think of the, the major things in life. And the things that each one of us are going through, that when... The economy takes a hit and people lose their jobs to uh, medical conditions of individuals. From my dad just had his heart attack a few weeks ago. The scares of life to the struggles of your children and, and everything else, the decisions you got to make in life. There's like five circumstances or trials of life that I believe come your way that we can build on a little bit more tonight. You need to trust in the Lord. And you need to acknowledge him. And no matter what it is, he can smooth out the path. One of them is, I call it, nature's way. Life and all its laws and effects taken its course. It's just part of life, the good and bad. You know, we just, we go through hard times. There, there can be a famine. The economy goes, what are you going to do? It's part of life that we have to deal with. But understand this, that God is in complete control no matter what it is. 
tremendous testimony by, uh, that we heard Kathy Lee Gifford give on the, I think it's the Today Show, whatever her show is. It was outstanding because Frank Gifford recently died. She went on and how, I didn't know, I don't know much about the Giffords, but how Frank Gifford from a young boy, his father, I believe it was, worked in fact, factories and they were poor and his father would work and this is back during the depression. She said he moved dozens of times before the age of 18. They would hit a city, he would try to find work. Sorry, no work here, time to move on. You gotta go where the work is. But Frank Griffith grew up trusting in the Lord and this is not something specific to him that came about him, but this is the, the effects of life and just in general, but he trusted in the Lord. And Frank remembers, as Kathy shared this, and she went on to give the testimony that he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. What a testimony, right over live TV. You can't cut her off. And how he trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they trusted in God as they went on and went on. You can go to uh, YouTube or wherever it's on there. That's a natural effects of life that we got to deal with. But the Lord preserved the family. He didn't take them away. He, he didn't, and Justin made a great point last week when the fiery serpents came. The Lord didn't remove the fiery serpents. He gave a cure. And see, in life, it's not always remove us from the circumstances, but God gives us the ability to endure and go through it. So we have nature's way. The second one, poor decisions we just make. The fool. We suffer the consequences for our bad choices. We can see this riddled all throughout scriptures. The bad choices we make. Look at uh, the book of Judges. It's filled with it. The Israelites. What do they do? They fall into sin. They fall away. And what ends up happening? They cry out to the Lord. He restores them. They fall away. They fall into sin. He restores them, brings them back as they cry out to the Lord. No matter what we've gotten ourselves into, the whole point is is we turn around and acknowledge God, and he'll help us. That's what Judges points out. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. We make bad choices, and it affects our lives, and we suffer the consequences of those bad choices. But God is able to take those bad choices and work them out for the good. He's able to. We're, not, we're never pinned down to where we, we, we can't get up. God is always able. He'll let you. Like the prodigal son, go and waller with the, the swine. But when you turn to God, you say, Lord, I've screwed up. God loves the brokenhearted. God loves the humble. But he resists the proud. He holds him back, himself back from the proud. But the humble, he, he can't resist. He, he wants to help. He wants to lift you up. So next is just Satan seeking to destroy you. All those that live God godly shall suffer persecution. As part of a Christian, you're going to suffer persecution. And Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you have that aspect. And again, you look to the Lord to, 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 to sustain you and take you through. We can, we can look at um, several examples of that. I mentioned one in Syria with the Christians there being beheaded and killed for Christ. Being, you, you see the videos and the news media of them running to Jordan for safety. I don't even know where the next meal's coming, but you, you look to the Lord. Next one is God chastening you. We're going to get into this a little later, because in verse 11, he talks about it. But this is a, a, a character building. 
an issue in your life he has to address. But again, when you go through that, we look to the Lord and trust as he refines us and tunes us up. We've got to be tuned up. And this is not always a chasing. It's not always a bad thing. But it's, a, it's an area where I have too much pride in my life, and the Lord's going to humble me. I, have too, I don't have enough compassion over here. The Lord's going to show you what compassion is. He teaches you, and it's a school that we don't want to go through, but we do have to go through it, and we look to the Lord for him to teach us as we're going through it and acknowledge the Lord with these things and trust in him that he knows what's best. Last is just testing for the glory of God. And we can add on to each one of these, but you look at Job. You suffer for the glory of God. Job didn't do anything wrong. But he had the opportunity to glorify God and suffer for him and to live for him. And uh, what a tremendous thing that as we go through and um, have the privilege to look to the Lord and to trust in him and what glory it brings to him. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that you love us and that you've given us your word as a light unto our paths. We thank you that if we come to you and pray and lift everything to you and to acknowledge you, that you will direct our paths, that we trust in you, that we put the word of God in our hearts. Father, put it there. Write it in our hearts. Write it on our minds. Lord, let the word of God be dominant in our lives. Your words, O oh Lord, that we could follow the Son, the Savior, the Lord Jesus. And we showed you that we truly love the Lord Jesus and we keep his commandments. Bless your word. Bless the shower next door, Lord. Be with all of us as we leave and bring us back safely. We thank you so much for everything. And now, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.